Good morning and welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. My name is Brendan McClenahan and today we have a special bonus episode for you. We've done this, we did this last month actually uh, when we had Neil Karsten on, but um, just recently we had Nick Warness speak to our missional community leaders on a Zoom call and did some training around what it means to be a missional leader, how to start new things. And I thought it'd be a really valuable um, teaching for anybody who's listening to this podcast because we are all disciples. We're all called to follow Jesus. And that means that we are called to make disciples. And as we make disciples, we have to ask ourselves, how do we gather those disciples? How do we equip those disciples? How do we raise up those disciples? And eventually, gatherings and groups of new disciples become Christians. So um, it's important for us to think about that as disciple makers. How do we start new groups? How do we start new churches? How do we start new missional communities? Um, how do we start new house churches? And um, Nick gives some great insight into that. He talks about um, how to identify who you are as a leader, your calling, if you're called to start a new missional community or church. Um, he talks about um, how to discern your giftedness as leaders, how to discern what your mission focus should be, um, he talks about the process of adapting and changing once things have started. Um, and I think it's going to be a really valuable conversation to anybody who considers himself um, a disciple maker or a leader in the church. So go ahead and listen to this episode, and I'd love to hear your comments if you want to send me an email afterward. Thank you so much, and enjoy this interview with Nick Warnes. Uh Nick, do you want to just tell us about you and your background and how did you go about starting a church that is not something that um people typically do and i, I was talking to uh, pam earlier today uh, and matt too about this definition of church what makes church church which is a question you frequently ask rhetorically what makes church church and uh, church is a big word and uh, and it can take the form of a missional community. It can take the form of a house church. It can take the form of an online church. It can take the form of a a gathering in a building. It can take a form of a gathering in a shopping center. Um, but uh, all these things are part of the mission that God wants to do in the world. So, um, Nick, do you want to just tell us your story about how you got the crazy idea of starting a church and what you've learned along the way? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Brendan. Uh, thanks for including me. It's really good to be with you all. Uh, so I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, my family currently lives in Holland. My parents live in Holland on the south side of Holland. My, uh, my sister and her girls live on the north side of Holland. Uh, when Brendan asked me to do this, I was so excited because I was totally going to fly there and I couldn't wait to be with you all in person uh, and get to see my family as well. But COVID life, California. It'll be, it'll be over by then, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll be, <laughs> this was like six months ago. Okay, oh, no problem. And yesterday in California, we had over 50,000 new cases confirmed and over 400 deaths. Both are highs. So I am actually quite fine with being on Zoom right now with you all um, from my guest room slash office that I'm in. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I, um, I grew up in a 
nominally Christian home. I heard about Jesus at a Young Life camp uh, when I was a junior in high school and ended up getting a baseball scholarship at Grand Valley State University and played baseball there. I got cut from the baseball team my junior year on September 11, 2001. You might have remembered that day. Uh, That was a very difficult day on multiple levels for me. Uh, And the day after, I was asked to help start Young Life at Jenison High School. So uh, on September 12, I started working on uh, starting a a Young Life club at Jenison High School. Um, From there, I ended up becoming a Young Life church partner working in Hudsonville, Michigan. And then uh, my wife and I uh, discerned a call to move to Los Angeles. Her degree is in film and Fuller Seminary was out here, which is where I want to go to seminary. I went to seminary out here. We found home out here day one. Um, my memories of seminary really aren't filled with like Greek classes or like Christian ethics studies. Uh, it was filled with um, helping to start a youth ministry and then start a college and young adult ministry at Glendale Presbyterian Church which is right on the corner from Fuller Seminary. So I just really got steeped into um, the, the, the church culture there. Uh, interestingly enough, Brendan's family has lots of connections with Glendale Presbyterian Church. Am I right, Brendan? Yes, we were, uh, we were meant to be connected at some point. It was inevitable. Right. So after uh, a number of years of uh, time with Glendale Presbyterian Church, we all discerned that it was time to start a new church. We started this church called Northland Village Church, and um, the, a, a main priority on Northland Village Church uh, was to be a generative church that would start multiple churches out of its church. And then after like five years of doing that, we started uh, 15 other churches um, out of Northland Village Church, which turned into a network called Cyclical LA, which is a group now that helps uh, lots of church planting people start churches around Los Angeles and then some other denominations called us and wanted support um, with helping starting churches so that's where we created Cyclical Incorporated uh, which is where I uh, get to intersect with Brendan a little more regularly on helping people uh, around the world uh, not only start churches but practice faithful innovation in various contexts in a whole bunch of different ways. So in a nutshell, there you go. Yeah, I'm married to Whitney. I have a two-year-old son who you met. Um, Most of my time uh, is actually spent picking up his toys around the house, trying to keep our place somewhat in order. And uh, yeah, my wife and I uh, love uh, food and drink and feel sad that we cannot do that a lot right now. So um, yeah, in a nutshell, there you go. So you, um, I wish I could, I wish we had like a lot longer because as much as I know you, I feel like I, I don't know your history. Like I'd love to dig into deeper parts of what some of your experience is, but, uh, go back to when you first started, um, Northern Village Church, mm-hmm. you know, was that the first kind of what you consider a church? Was that the first one that you'd ever started or tried to start? No. Um, so we actually started, yeah, we, no, uh, when we were at Grand Valley, we started a group, um, that was a bunch of college students that was a church. Uh, 
we just didn't call it that. Uh, we worship together, study scripture together, and practice the mission of God together in the neighborhood. Um, so there's that. Um, there, well, we don't need to get in, in, in all that stuff. Um, so no, the answer is no to your question. So the North Church was the, the first like, um, quote unquote, institutional church that would have been like identified by a denomination or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, I mean, obviously Matt is pastor of Victory Point, but he's leading a missional community, you know, uh, just at the very early end of it. Pam is leader of a, another missional community, not a denominationally recognized church, but uh, something that, you know, an alien coming to the world, seeing the whole scope of the church history would definitely call a church. I've never heard it said that way. That's good. I like that. I resonate. <laughs> and uh, Carlos is, is leading a, a recognized church. You know, everyone yeah. would say it was a church, but he's having some, you know, new expressions of that pop up um that don't he's not really quite sure what category that fits in but as you're starting so so there was a point where there wasn't a church mm-hmm. northern village church there was a point where there was nothing and there was a point where there was something mm-hmm. like and what was it like going from like what did what kind of lessons did you learn along the way at the beginning of your journey especially as you're discerning what the heck this thing was and um, about leadership and, you know, what, what church was going to be for you? Yeah. Thanks for that question. Um, I took a bunch of notes on what you all were saying as well. And I did identify similar to what you just said, Brendan. Um, it feels like Matt is in the spot of questioning practices and how you start well. And then Pam and Carlos are in the spot. It's more like, uh, needing to practice adaptive change theory. Um, and those are two really different conversations. Um, I think it is beneficial, especially as Pam and Carlos equip leaders to send them off and to be generative, um, that it is important to talk about um, starting well. Um, so that might be a good place to, to go. And then maybe to do some adaptive change theory as well could be a, a good spot. And we can certainly do that through the practical story of Northland Village Church. Does that yeah. sound okay? Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I just did this, um, I just did this chapter in this book. It's called Sent to Flourish. It's a bunch of Fuller professors and me, and they all talk about their high, like flute and like ivory tower theology. And it was my job to be like, okay, what does this actually mean? Like what Brendan's saying. So there didn't used to be anything. And now there's something like, how did you get there? How, how did that like magic sauce happen, um, to get there? Did, I, did my internet go out? No, okay? you're there. Okay. Um, and it was like the biggest question ever when I was starting. It's really, um, it's actually, you know, quite sexy to talk about like starting new things. It's very exciting. Uh, everyone's got ideas. Um, but I think something we've learned is that ideas are quite cheap. And it, it's, it's like the, the grit around actually uh embodying your ideas and creating a community around ideas that's the actual hard work that kind of separates the people who have ideas versus those who actually implement them and the first stage is always the stage of discernment 
And so where people in my world oftentimes mess up in discernment is that they imagine the discernment is just around themselves as like the point leader or as a person who's a part of a team of point leaders. And certainly discernment around point leadership is super important. And there's all sorts of practices around that. And if you want to dive deep into that, I'd be happy to go there. Um, but something that I'd like to um, especially encourage Matt and which you actually named in your story is it's not just you discerning that you're going to start this thing, but you're actually inviting people, uh, people that are part of the priesthood of all believers who are going to be starting this with you. And so to invite discernment of, of all humans who might join in with this effort that you just might happen to be catalyzing. So that first season of certainly empathic listening um, through things like, you know, Brendan's favorite theologian is John Calvin. He actually calls him the real JC, uh, which is a little awkward for people at times, but you know, whatever, he'll, he'll. I've never said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm -hmm. There's like some, <laughs> there's like some real simple things around discernment that I should probably highlight. Um, and John Calvin, the real JC, like Brendan says, talks about internal versus external call. And this is just like a really practical thing. So like, for instance, and we can, I can make fun of Brendan, right? You all know him. So we'll all be comfortable with that. Um, so if Brendan, let's just say, for instance, Brendan was to be praying and Brendan was to say to any of us in this room, like, hey, hey, Pam, like I've been praying and I just, I just feel like. God wants me to become an NBA basketball player. We might look at Brendan and say, wow, I mean, what, what a thing, Brendan. Like, that's quite lovely. Um, Brendan, have you ever played basketball? Um, how tall are you? Um, how, how much can you bench press? <laughs> so what Brendan would essentially be doing there is he'd be intersecting his internal call in his own prayer life and his own discernment of the Holy Spirit with those he loves and cares about the most. And hopefully everyone that's a part of this room would say, uh, no, Brendan, that is not what God is saying in your life. Uh, you should probably return and, and discern a little bit more. So return and discern. Return and discern. Yeah, nice. Hashtag. Yeah, I saw that. So uh, yeah, discernment, like just discernment can be so amorphous and to just kind of bring it to in the practical um, intersect internal versus external call with people uh, with whom you're working. Um, so if it's Carlos or Pam and raising up new leaders who are going to be generative in their own efforts or Matt, which he's, I mean, literally he named the story of doing that right now, inviting other people into it, uh, do that. A second thing to pay attention to is uh, trajectory. And this also ties to Brendan's NBA narrative. Um, Brendan, did you play basketball in high school? No. Brendan, did you play basketball in middle school? I don't think so. Brendan, did you play basketball in college? No. Brendan, when was the last time you played in a basketball game? Uh, when I was a child. Perfect. So this is all about trajectory here. So if Brendan was to say to us, I feel called to be an NBA basketball player, we might note that the trajectory of Brendan's life is not moving in the direction of becoming an NBA basketball player. And theologically, we want to give God glory that God is active and at work in Brendan's life. And basketball 
is not a part of what God's been doing in Brendan's life. So when it comes to gathering people for starting new things, one of the first things that I'm always looking for is asking people and thinking with people like foundationally, have you ever started anything before? Um, if, if you've never started anything, I mean, maybe God's doing something here. And there's, you know, maybe it's a road to Damascus kind of moment. Like that'd be great, but let's pay attention to that. Uh, do you care about people who do not identify as Christian? Uh, all of us know that the, the ratios of uh, people who come to faith, uh, the ratios of output of impact on what we call Shalom initiatives, initiatives of like traditional evangelism or justice that happen, the output of new initiatives is 10x compared to established churches. So if, if you get um, someone who is not interested in people who don't identify as Christian or not interested in, again, justice initiatives or more traditional evangelistic kind of things, like there's probably not a trajectory happening in their life that would bend them toward uh, the reason why we start new things. So that's the second one. Um, I'll do a third one too. This one's a little more complex, um, but um, really what we're doing is we're discerning call when we discern these things. And uh, we all have multiple calls in our life. So uh, what I want to make sure we pay attention to uh, is the calls that are most central versus the calls that are emerging in our life. So for instance, for me, I know that I am called to be married to Whitney. That has been confirmed by my community, by my church, by my family. And if the thing that I'm starting or discerning, thinking about starting, doesn't line up with my call to be a husband, then most likely that's not a good fit for our, our next vocational move. I know that I'm called to be father to Lee, uh, who you met. And uh, if the thing that I'm discerning about doing next in my life doesn't line up with my call that I'm already sure of, then it's probably not going to be a good fit. So yeah, just those three frames, I think, in this rather amorphous blob, blob of discernment that can feel so untangible. Uh, those are three ways uh, that we oftentimes help people through that discernment process, both point leaders and people that we will be joining in leadership in multiple ways um, as, as they think about creating the thing. Yeah. So Nick, something that I'm, I'm noticing that you're saying, and if I could just digest this for a second, um, you're talking about the discernment phase. You're talking about, okay, um, we've got some new leaders who are being empowered, maybe in Pam's group. We've got some people who are gathering together, maybe like in Matt's group. We've got some people, like some people who seem like there's some, there's maybe a church there, maybe a, a community there. Uh, not sure what's, what shape today. What do we do next? You know, mm. you're not saying, well, what you need to do is meet for three months and uh, draft a vision statement, bring that vision statement before a denomination, get approval. You know what I mean? You're not giving, you're not giving me steps for like, like uh, here's the formula for how you go about forming a new community that is shaped something like what a church looks like. You're, you're talking about, am I really called to this? And am, like, who are, who are the leaders God is calling out? Um, how do we identify those? Which which still leaves a big 
question mark, you know, which frustrates our uh, industrial brains, you know, um, to go like, but what do I do? What do I do next? You know, what's the first step I take? Is that, is that intentional? Well, it just so happens that there is a next step you can take after that. Okay. Um, by no means is it like an assembly line for how you do this. Um, Cause everyone's context looks different. I mean, even Carlos and Pam and Matt, uh, it's going to be three very different things that happen. And I don't think anyone in this group would say, Oh my gosh, that's a problem. Everyone would identify the, the wonder and diversity of Christ's body represented here with us. Right. Um, but there are some, um, some, some big frames that most things fit under. And that first frame is we need to do discernment. Uh, the second frame that uh, is pretty typical, which Matt is just jumping into again, he named it. Um, Pam and Carlos, you have um, moved um, beyond this. And that's the, that's the season of the initial organized gathering. So first phase discernment, second phase initial organized gathering. In the initial organized gathering, uh, what you're doing is you are uh, figuring out your rhythms. Uh, I think Matt was talking about patterns. Um, you're figuring out your patterns and how are you gonna be community deeper than looking at each other saying, so what's your favorite color, <laughs> right? Um, and there are you know, some key questions to get at in, in this phase as well. Um, but I, I think two things I'd wanna note here. Uh, the, the first thing is um, developing a rhythm and pattern for how you discern uh, what God is up to in the midst of your group and your community. So often uh, when we start to gather energy around these kind of groups, we feel like we're going to put our Superman capes on and we're going to charge in and fix something. And we're going to like bring the gospel we're going to heal people or I mean, however you want to say it, we're going to be the heroes of this story. Just to, just to re remember the importance that the gospel has already come. The kingdom of God has been ushered in by Jesus. God is already on the move. God is out in front of you. And thanks be to God, it's not your job to create something new, but simply to join in what God has already ushered in in front of you. So it's, it's literally, it's, it's hard enough um, to, to start something new, uh, whether it be even something as simple as an, an initiative of going to uh, start a tutoring program in elementary school. Like that, that's, a, that's a pretty basic thing that we can do with leadership. But also it's quite difficult. And if God hasn't like set the course out in front of you, we talk about breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit. Um, we need to become experts of discerning the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit that are out in front of us. And sometimes those breadcrumbs turn into an empty trail. And sometimes those breadcrumbs turn into a full bakery. And regardless of what happens on either side, how are we as a community always practicing how we're discerning the Holy Spirit in our context, what God's up to and what God is inviting us into next? And I think, spoiler alert, I mean, this is something that a church is always going to be doing, right? Like, um, this is something like that's going to be happening like with Matt as he's forming his community. And for us, as we're forming our community, we're in the same stage as Matt is. Um, and we're having to ask that constantly. But I mean, that doesn't ever stop for a church, right? You just want to 
you want to set aside a season at the very beginning to really lean into that and figure out, you know, what is this? What is that God? What is it that God's leading us towards? What kinds of like, um, what was it like for you when you were first gathering people in that phase? Because there's that whole like, now what kind of feeling? Okay, we've got these people. Now what? What kinds of questions were you asking in that phase as a group? And what was that like for you as a leader to be leading people through that? And the anxieties you had or whatever um so full disclosure when we started this church i didn't have any training like this or thoughts like this um, i didn't have any people around me like this what i was given was an equation for how to start a rather institutional church um so full disclosure on that i fully believe in what you all are doing and think it is equally if not more important than starting more traditional like institutional churches especially as we get out of COVID here so um, that's a whole rabbit trail we need to talk about. Um, but uh, the, Brendan's question still is pertinent. Um, what we did, so I gathered some folks and um, we did two things. Um, we figured out who we were as a gifted community. So I'd encourage you to do this kind of a thing, to develop a language around giftedness. So it could be anything from like that traditional Christian gifts um, quiz you can do, if you remember that. Um, back in the day to uh, you can use Ephesians 4 an apostle prophet evangelist shepherd teacher or you can use things like the disc assessment or strengths finder or Enneagram it doesn't really matter um, what you pick I'll just encourage you to choose a way through which you understand who you are as a gifted um, community and there's two parts to that the first part is who are you as gifted individuals in the community so people need to understand their giftedness and understand um, how they can contribute within a community. And then there's like the overlaps of giftedness that you'll certainly see where, oh my gosh, of the 30 people we have, 28 of them have gifts in, let's just say you're using Ephesians 4 and 28 have gifts in uh, apostleship. Well, we should probably pay attention to that. Or if you're using StrengthsFinder, oh my gosh, 15 people, have gifts in woo oh we should probably pay attention to that so yeah key point there is uh from our our story we, we chose strengths finder uh, to figure out who we were as gifted individuals and then where our overlaps were as a gifted community and then we intersected that with where we discerned god was on the move in our neighborhood uh note here um i wrote this book called starting missional churches and um, I wrote with co-author and I didn't initially say discern God's initiatives, discern where God is on the move in front of us. I wrote it as uh, what were the community needs? And this is a common, this is like a, a touch point for me that gets me a little weirded out theologically. That's a real common mistake in a lot of churches. And excuse me if I'm stepping on any toes in this. Um, but a, a lot of people I still work with today will figure out uh needs in the community and think we're going to go meet those needs and again to me that's all like putting the cape on and you're putting yourself as like superwoman to go and like save the the people who need help um that's not the way to think about it the way to think about it is where is god on the move in our context and how can we intersect our gifts with where god is on the move by discerning god's initiatives and sometimes so, that's an organization that's already doing the work that you join you join it like what Pam's doing with rescue mission. There's already great work that's going on. How can we join in? How can we enter into the kingdom of God there? 
yeah, there's two sides to this. One side is, which is way easier. And if it's already happening, please, for the love of God, just join other people that are doing it. <laughs> it's so much better on so many levels. But if nothing's happening, then you may need to create something. When you're starting a new thing, you already have to create so many wheels. And when you don't have to create a wheel, you can just partner with somebody, so much better. But the other side of it is sometimes you do need to create the wheel. Um, and so we, we discerned uh, the schools as a place and we, we created this whole tutoring thing and we got invited to a whole bunch of schools and built relationships and it was lovely. That's something that we, we did with our group um, this last spring. Um, and I picked this up from you when we did, I forget which little resource you were writing, but um, I, it, it was, I think it was um, going from nothing to something. But one of your question was, um, what are the missional habits latent in your group? or something like that. The idea that the people you're gathering probably already are mm -hmm. serving, blessing, you know, they've, they naturally take meals to the neighbors or they naturally, you know, uh, pick up trash in the park or they naturally volunteer at something because they're a Christian, whatever. Um, and to be aware of what the people are already, your leaders are already doing in their own lives and then adopting that as a group, you know, making that part of your group rhythms was something that I, I kind of picked up from you, but it kind of goes along with what you're saying of discerning what God is already doing and then joining in with that rather than trying to create some brand new, you know, shiny program that um, it feels exciting. That's well said. That's perfect. And yeah, Matt, this is perfect for Matt right now. And yeah, I mean, what, who, what are people doing in his group as we speak and how can, you know, they just level up what they're doing. So mm -hmm. that's awesome. Well, it's uh, nine ten. Um, I want to kind of, uh, maybe use the last couple of minutes, just, um, Pam and Carlos, I don't know where the heck Matt went, <laughs> but, uh, Pam and Carlos, um, we've just got a few minutes for questions. So, uh, Nick has started Northern Village Church, but he's also started many, helped start many other churches that are different shapes and sizes. And some you'd look at them and go, that is not a church and others you'd go that's definitely a church but uh either way um he's helped a lot of people uh start things um what kinds of questions do you guys have for nick uh, about about where you're at or maybe more of his story um i really like what uh he says about organized gatherings and and just discover, uh, just trying to discover our rhythms. And uh, my question would be: You think this is possible when you when you do this through the distance to know the rhythms or to to organize the gatherings? What what are your thoughts about about this situation? Yeah, I heard I, the notes. Here's the notes I took on, on your stuff, Carlos. Um, and again, Pam, you overlap with this. Uh, I wish we had more time to talk about adaptive change theory right now. Um, there's a book right now that just came out called Innovative Church by Dr. Scott Cormode. He has a brilliant adaptive and innovative change cycle um, that I, I hope you'll, you'll read. Um, so we were about to go through four seasons. We made it through two, the season of discernment, season of initial organized gathering. The third season is a season of initial public witness, whatever that's going to be. Uh, and Carlos and Pam, you're beyond that. Now you're in the season of adapting your initial public witness. Uh, 
And that's actually where the hard work starts. Um, it's throwing spaghetti on the wall, what's working, what's not working, who decides what's working, who decides what's not working, uh, how do you end up stopping things that aren't working, as two people think that they're working, how do you end up scaling up things that are working, and who implements that. So there's just lots around that. So, but Scott Cormode's book called The Innovative Church is a uh, has is some good resources there. There's also a concluding chapter in Starting Missional Churches that is a change cycle you can lean on um, as well. And I'd be happy to send that over to you all. Nick is also writing a new book mm-hmm. called Starting Well. So what we're talking about in the book. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, and thanks, everybody. Thanks, Pam and Carlos and Matt and everyone who's watching online uh, later. Um, let me just um, close this in a word of prayer and uh, blessing benediction for us. Um, so, God, we've, we've heard uh, stories and we've um, shared challenges. We've opened up questions that we don't know the answers to. Um, and most of all, what we need is, uh, your companionship going forward because, uh, we oftentimes have no idea what we're doing or what we're getting ourselves into. And yet we're pulled forward, um, by a vision that you've given us for what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. Um, so, uh, we feel compelled to walk forward, but we also feel, um, afraid of what what next steps to take. So we ask Holy Spirit that you would come and accompany us for the journey ahead. Would you bless um, our leaders? Would you bless the people we've been given to steward? Would you bless um, the mission opportunities and the spaces that you've called us to that uh, the land that we walk on would be fertile and would be um, filled with opportunities um, to discover more about you and more about ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, thanks for including me. Appreciate it, y'all. Merry Christmas, everybody. See you soon.